0: church just great selection there so my name is Keith an elder here at uh, St. George's and I'll be reading the scripture for you this morning Uh, we have a responsive uh, psalm psalm 105 and there is a refrain Andrew will play it through the singers will join in and then we will all join in Thanks and call on God's name, make known to the nations what God has done. Mm -hmm. Exalt in God's holy name. your strength. Seek God's presence continually.
1: Remember the marvels the most high has come, the wonders and
0: judgments God has given. O children of Abraham and Sarah, God's servants. O offspring of Israel, chosen of God. The eternal God you are ever mindful of your covenant the promise you gave to a thousand generations you confirmed it for Jacob as binding to Israel your everlasting covenant you declared reading from the good news according to matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 28. from that time on jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised and peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying god forbid it lord This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death, Before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. The Gospel of Christ.
1: Christ.
2: Let us pray. The words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O god our strength our rock and our redeemer amen so in today's scripture jesus is teaching he's sharing one of his basic teachings his basic teachings in fact that he jesus the son of man must go to Jerusalem, must undergo great suffering at the hands of religious authorities, must be killed and raised on the third day. It's a basic teaching that Jesus repeats several times in each of the Gospels, in all four of them, Jesus must suffer, die, and be raised on the third day, must, that's the key word, must. Somebody, though, doesn't think it's a very good idea. Heaven forbid, Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, replies, Heaven forbid, Lord. I mean, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God sent to set the world right, to usher in God's kingdom. If He is who He says He is, as powerful as He says He is, What's with all the suffering? Peter rebukes, he censures, he takes Jesus aside and admonishes him because suffering and dying is unbecoming of anybody, let alone the Son of God. Heaven forbid, he says. This must never happen to you, Lord. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mom and dad taught me to calling other people bad names. Perhaps you were taught this as well. But what happens next makes you think that maybe it wasn't part of Jesus growing up, with, that Jesus and Mary perhaps didn't teach Jesus not to call people bad names. Because he calls Peter a bad name. He calls Peter... A really bad name, the worst name there is, really. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus returns Peter's rebuke, his heaven forbid, with a rebuke of his own. He calls him Satan. He calls him the devil. He calls him the worst name that there is. Seems a little harsh. If you ask me, like, what was Peter supposed to do? Grab a big piece of cardboard, you know, write, yay, the cross or something on it, and parade about. I mean, it's completely understandable that he didn't want Jesus to suffer and die. I mean, if it were my, me, I would probably reserve the title of Prince of Darkness uh, for somebody who did something really wrong, right? Somebody really bad, like uh, serial killers or something. Maybe. But not Peter. But that's what Peter calls, or Jesus calls Peter. He calls Peter Satan. Now, why, why is what Peter says so bad? Well, Jesus says it's because convince him not to go to the cross, Peter is a stumbling block. Remember last week, Jesus gave him the new name, Peter Petros, which means rock, and he said, I'm, you're the rock on which I'm going to build my church. Well, this week, the rock's trying to trip him up. Peter is an obstacle to Jesus' mission. In fact, this type of thing happened already way back when Jesus is in chapter 4, when he was alone in the desert, tempted by the devil. Jesus Satan said, hey, instead of that cross, instead of that cross, how about I give you the power to turn stones into bread? How about you jump off a building and have angels catch you? Imagine how popular you would be after that. How about I make you dictator of the whole world? Just think what you could do. You could shape public policy, bread, fame, power. I give you all three of those, and you can do what you're supposed to do. You can save the whole world without the discomfort of so much as a hangnail. No cross needed at all. Well, Jesus rebukes Peter because Peter's doing the same thing. The same thing exactly that happened way back in chapter 4. Jesus rebukes Peter because the cross is exactly what the Messiah is about. Suffering and dying for the sake of the world is exactly what Jesus is all about. Peter's fear is understandable, but he's thinking only in terms of human values and fears, not in terms of divine necessity. Jesus calls him Satan, the worst name there is, because in keeping him from suffering humiliation, dying, Peter's doing exactly what the devil wants Jesus to do. To which Jesus simply replies, get lost, go away, what have you to do with me? Now, like I said, these are pretty harsh words they're hard words too hard and harsh yes but as hard and harsh as they may be they're also necessary for Peter to hear and they're necessary for us to hear too. we who want to be in that number marching with the Saints when they go marching in why is this teaching necessary because it reveals to us the greatest Obstacle to God's work with us. The temptation of our own that gets in God's way with us, and that temptation is to avoid suffering at all costs. To deflect the cross, try to go around it, try to go under it, try to go over it. To try to avoid suffering at all costs. Now, maybe you've read the book brave new world I think that there's also kind of a terrible TV adaptation by the BBC but it's this classic 1932 novel by the English writer and philosopher Aldous Huxley it's what we might call a dystopia a dystopia as opposed to utopias which are depictions of a good and perfect future dystopias do the opposite they show us a future that none of us would want or like, usually there's some kind of oppressive totalitarianism. Usually as a commentary on the present, think of the misogynistic domination of uh, Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale, book burning in Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, or the total mind control of 1984. Dystopias usually say, here's the world we're headed for if we don't change our ways. Here's the world we're headed for. Untold suffering awaits. The difference with Brave New World, though, is that it is cheery. It's sing-songy. Hunger has been abolished. Everyone's encouraged to sleep with everyone else, saving everybody from the difficult sacrifice of monogamy. Somebody said, oh, The struggles of parenthood have been taken over by the state. Everyone has free and unlimited access to this drug called soma, which in Greek means soul, body, soul. You just pop one if you're depressed or anxious, and it goes away. If you have a disagreement or a fight, pop one of those, and you'll erase any kind of discomfort, and you're back to doing whatever you were doing before. Workers have been even selectively bred to enjoy the drudgeries of hard labor. Every difficulty in life has either been erased or it's been managed away. The problem in this dystopia, this utopia, is that there's no freedom to do otherwise, nor any purpose to anything. There's no marriage, there's no parenthood, there's no Shakespeare, no poetry outside the prescribed propaganda. It's a dystopia because they have everything that they could ever possibly want. They're safe and fed, sex freeze slowly on tap, but in order to be protected from the suffering, they've traded away everything else. There's one character who's appropriately called the savage, who's raised on an indigenous reserve outside the supposedly perfect society, and he remarks on the empty ease of just drugging yourself. What you need, he says, what you need is something with tears for a change. Nothing costs enough here, he says. Nothing costs enough here. Everything in life worth having costs something. And in this dystopia, nothing costs enough. Now, truth to be told, Huxley wasn't, a conventional christian of any kind but he understood the temptation that jesus describes he knows we'll trade our independence if it means we don't have to worry about where our next meal comes from he knows we'll risk the slavery of addiction to escape the terror and anxiety of our traumas he knows we'll sacrifice the well-being of our neighbors and creation rather than practicing generosity and sacrificing our own comforts he knows we'll drop The difficulty of deep relationships for momentary satisfaction. The beauty of children for the terrifying responsibility of raising them. He knows that we'll trade freedom itself if that means we can be shielded from suffering heartache and pain. Like Jesus says, those who want to save their life will lose it for what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their soul their life and the answer is nothing nothing at all to cut ourselves off from suffering is to somehow cut ourselves off from God and to sacrifice everything worthwhile. Peter's temptation is our own, perhaps the worst temptation of all. What use is it to have everything in life safely locked away, but nothing that truly counts? Brave new world. Now, it's clear that if we want to live, want to truly live, it means that we somehow have to embrace our suffering rather than avoid it. Take up your cross, Jesus says, and follow me. Again, a harsh, hard saying, but one we always need to hear. Does this mean that all suffering is good? No, of course not jesus death may have been necessary god may have used it for the redemption of the world but killing god's son is the last thing anybody would ever call good or does this mean we should go out looking for suffering seeking it out and searching for it should we start seeking out shame commence hunting down heartache pushing away pleasure and pursue pain i mean in the in some way the answer is is yes in one way it is seeking out the least, the last, the lost, and the poor, the widow, the orphan, helping to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters, we're called to pursue the cross of neighborly love. So yes, in some sense, we are to seek out suffering. But in the broader sense, the answer is no. A lot of commentators throughout the ages point out that Jesus never goes looking the cross he doesn't avoid it but he never goes looking for it rather it's the fallen world that gives it to him he doesn't seek it it finds him on account of that the great 18th century Bible commentator Matthew Henry says that we must not make crosses for ourselves but must accommodate ourselves to the cross God gives us. We must not make crosses for ourselves, but we must accommodate ourselves to the crosses God gives us. Which isn't to say everything that bad that happens to us comes from God's direct, direct hand. I mean, cancer, the death of a child, the Holocaust, we run into a lot of trouble if we think that. It's not to say that. But it is to say that wherever we go, crosses will find us. No doubt they've already found you. And if they haven't today, then it's only a matter of time before they will. I mean, that's kind of the bad news. But the good news is this, rather than running for them from them hiding from them taking your daily soma drinking or drugging them away we can face them head on we can face our crosses head on and with courage whether the cross is the daily grind of parenthood or marriage or friendship make no mistake Marriage involves a lot of crosses. Not mine, of course. (laughs) I mean, whether the cross is leaving our comfort zone to help carry the cross of our neighbor, whether the cross is cancer or loss, whatever your cross is, the good news is that rather than running away you can take it up you can as the hymn we're going to sing at the end of the service you can cling to that old rugged cross without fear why well first of all because god is with us christ came to not only bear our sins but bear our suffering and help us carry the cross together but there's also one other thing the interesting thing is that peter only hears the part where jesus must suffer and die he misses the part about jesus being raised on the third day he only heard the cross part he misses the resurrection the apostle paul points out in his letter to the Romans that when we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into his death, but not just his death. We are united with him in his death, so we might be united in his resurrection as well. Not just a cross, but an empty tomb. The cross and resurrection of Jesus together are God's promise of ultimate victory over sin death and evil that at the end the son of man is going to come with all the angels in the glory of his father and will wipe away every tear will repay every loss suffered in this life every cross we've ever known will one day sprout roses It doesn't mean we'll avoid suffering and pain in this life, not at all. As Peter's bumbling has taught us, our drive to avoid suffering altogether is destructive. It's satanic even. Rather than bringing about a brave new world, it's far more likely to keep us chained to the old one, to drag us into slavery and even greater ruin. What it does mean, though, is that our sufferings can be made bearable on account of God. In the light of Jesus' death and resurrection, our suffering need no longer to be feared or avoided. We don't have to run from the cross. Rather, we can take it up, however it may come and whatever it may be trusting that God will somehow use it to make us better for our great good and God's greater glory and to bring about the world God wants so take up your cross and follow the Savior says May you, brothers and sisters, friends, be given the courage to take up yours and follow, trusting that in the end all things work for good for those who love God. I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cite together the words of the ancient apostles creed putting our trust in God and God's grace let's say it together I believe in God the father almighty creator of heaven and earth